0: Lag B'Omer is one of the murkiest and most dubious of the, the Jewish holidays on the calendar. We discussed this last year. There are, a little bit. There are two main historical events associated with Lag B'Omer. Neither of which is clearly attested to in the Gemara. One, which rests on more solid ground, comes from the Rishonim, the Gaonim. It is the idea that the students of Rabbi Akiva, who died in this time of the year, between Pesach and Atzeras, actually stopped dying at Lagba Omer. This is based on comments of the Rishonim that say that the students of Rabbi Akiva died until prosa Atzeras, until a period of time before Shavuos, uh, until a certain point in time before Shavuos, which is Lagba Omer in, in some interpretations. That is one idea of Lag Baomer. The other famous idea is that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is said to have died on Lag Baomer. This latter tradition is even more uh, uncertain. It's provenance exactly where it comes from. It's a much more recent tradition. In any event, both the the historical context of Lag Baomer as well as the modes of celebration are also of, uh, of somewhat dubious character. The basic idea that Lagba Omer is a day of some minor, moderate joy, that goes back to the Rishonim. The Ramah brings, we don't say tahnun. The Ramah says that we uh the way the Ramah puts it is that we that we that, that 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 we don't say Tachnun, he says, but not that much, not that much more than that. He says we take haircuts, we have Tzah simcha, we don't say tahnun, but it's not a major Tov. That comes later, the, over the next few centuries, where a custom developed to have a much more pronounced uh, day of celebration, of singing, of dancing, and so on on Lag Bomer. And there was considerable pushback. As we discussed last year, the two most famous opponents of Lag Bomer celebrations were the Chasim Sofer and the Shoal Meshev, for Yosef Shoal Nathanson. Both of them felt that the whole idea was pretty dubious. They had particular objections to a variety of aspects of the Lagvarma celebrations. The Sholem Eishiv was concerned that it violated Baltashis. When they had the bonfires, they used to burn valuable property, garments, and so on. Darchei HaMori, he felt it was a pagan, uh, superstitious pagan custom. My father would, always shakes his head ruefully at me and says, If someone were to tell you that it's a Jewish holiday which involves lighting a bonfire and dancing around and singing... You would say, is that Jewish or is that pagan? What is that? But so the Sholom was worried; it was Darchi uh, Amari. The, the in, and in general, the, the main the main objection we're going to discuss tonight is that if Roshim Yachai indeed died on Lag BaOmer, why are we celebrating? It is not the Jewish way to celebrate the death of a venerable figure. Of course, there there are all kinds of other acronym who have defended the custom. By today, certainly, the dominant uh, attitude among Jewry is that Lag Baumer is a legitimate holiday, but as we said, it's not, uh, it's, not quite, uh, it's not quite universal. We're going to discuss tonight a tshuva which we mentioned briefly last year, but we're going to expand on it a little bit this year, and that is a tshuva of the Shem Arieh, from Arieh Leibosh Baal also 19th century. The Shem Aryeh spends most of its tshuva actually expressing great perplexity and bafflement about the very existence of Lag Bomer as a holiday. Although, unlike Chassam Sofer, he ends by justifying it. He ends by coming up with an ingenious and uh, clever explanation for why it's a holiday. The, the concern of, uh, of the Shemarieh is an interesting one. His, his primary concern has to do with the proper way to celebrate, commemorate Yahrzeits. And in order to analyze that, he gets uh, caught up in the question of Lag Baumer. So much of the tshuva is about Lag Baumer, but his primary goal is actually, it's a very Litvish tshuva. His primary goal is to criticize the modern Hasidic attitude of celebrating yard sites and serving food and rejoicing on yard sites. His primary goal of his tshuva is to, is to emphatically insist that the correct way to commemorate a yard site. Is the traditional old time religion of a day of somberness, of mourning, and of, of, of abstention, of fasting, not a day of celebrating with food and alcohol? So let's take a look at the beginning of his tshuva. He says, B'ayam and recently he says, some segments of Jewry have begun to change the tried and true traditional Jewish menhagin. W- where are these Jews located? In Volyn, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but that's in Volinia, Padalia, Ukraine. Basically, it's pretty clear he's referring to Hasidim or certain Hasidic, certain Hasidic, uh, certain Hasidic segments of society in Eastern Europe and the edge of Russia. He's he's talking about certain Jews who have begun to adopt new men-hagim. They they have been <laughs> shaleach Yad b'menhagim. They are uh, committing a breach of trust, the breach of faith of the minhagim that they've been handed down to us by our ancestors, and avos of Seinu olam, they have been Mavatel the old minhagim. What have the Hasidim done? What have these people done? What's his, uh, what, what's his example he can tolerate of rejecting the old minhagim? He says, first of all, you have to understand, minhagim are not uh, small things. Minhagim were all established for good reasons. They have a shurish and iker, but in Torah, post him say in many places, in general, you shouldn't any minhug, torahu. I never tire of pointing out. Poskim have two hats that they wear when they discuss Minhugim. One hat is the one the Shaymary is wearing here, minhagisrael Torahu ein levatel shon. Minhug. It's it's been established for very good reasons. The other hat they wear is when they say Minhug osios Gehenim. That actually goes back to Rishonim. Minhug spelled the uh, re- letters rearranged as Gehenim, that's what they say when they don't like a minag. So how do, you, how do you decide when a minag is minag Yisrael Torah and the vatal halacha and when do you say minagos minhag, yos-kehenim is a good question. But certainly these minhagim, which are, as we'll see, attested to by Rishonim and go back to the Gemara, these minhagim, even if they're not strictly halachas, should be given a great deal of weight, he feels, and we should not decide that we know better and we are smarter and we have better ways to conduct ourselves. So he goes on, every minag has a reason, quotes different uh, expressions of this from Rishonim, from, from various Akronim. And now he says that he's going to address a specific minhag which he is very, very disturbed that uh, some segments of Jewry have recently abandoned, and that is the minhag of fasting on a yard site. This is brought in the Ramah. Ramah and Shulchan Aruch, quoting Rishonim, brings the minhag to fast on a yard site. It's not clearly expressed anywhere in the Talmud that there is a a religious norm to fast on a yard site. The Ramah writes, quoting Rishonim, "Mitzvah Anos, the day of the death of a father or mother, what we call the yard gets into all kinds of halachas about whether it's the Yom HaMisa or the Yom HaKvura, the day of death or the day of the burial, all kinds of technical distinctions. What happens if it falls out on a day that you don't say Tachnun? When do you fast? Adar, Adarishon, Adar Sheni. Many of these halachas uh, we practice today in terms of when do we do other kinds of commem- commemorations of a yartzeit. But, the, but uh, in the Ramaz formulation, these are halachas about fasting. When do you fast? You fast on the day of Yom Shemes Bo Aviv, Yom Shemes Bo Imo. And that was how sites were commemorated traditionally in Judaism. As I mentioned earlier, the Gemara never comes straight out and says that you're supposed to fast on a yartzeit. But there are various statements in Chazal which suggest that it was normal or customary, if not, if not strictly mandatory. For example, the Gemara in the, Durham, the Gemara brings a braisa, it's talking about someone who makes a vow, and makes a vow to fast or to abstain from certain foods. I won't eat meat and I won't drink wine. <laughs> People would make vows to abstain from certain pleasurable foods. They would say, I'm making this vow that, 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 that I shall be like on the day that my father had passed away, that my Rebbe passed away, like Gedali ben Achikam was killed, which is the Tanis of some Gedaliah. So we see that the custom, that the way people commemorated the, the, the deaths of, of revered figures, parents, teachers, and Gedali Yisrael, were by fasting, by abstaining, it's pretty, again, the Gemara doesn't declare it as a halacha, but the Gemara makes it clear that this was a social norm, at least common, if not universal, that people would, uh, it was a standard thing, a common thing, people would fast, or uh, at least abstain from wine and meat, on the day of the death of, of, of a parent or of a teacher. One of the most interesting discussions in the Rishonim, that I'm aware of, of this, uh, this idea that you fast on the day that a parent died, appears in the Sefer Chassidim, of Yehuda Chassid, So Rabbi Yehudah Hasid, of course, was one of the Hasidah Ashkenaz, a school of uh, pietists. They had all kinds of chumras, uh, and, and they, they, lived, they lived ascetic lives, and so on. In the Sefer Chassidim, he says, we have a custom, apparently it was normal in his time, they would fast on the day of one's father's death. He gives a biblical example. David, David HaMelech, fasted, on the, uh, fasted when Shaul died. He called him Avi, he called Shaul his father, it wasn't his biological father, but he called him my father, and he fasted for son and Avner. So the first idea of the Sefer Chassidim is, it's not strictly related to a parent, or to an ancestor. You fast for someone important, you fast for an Adam Gadol. Shaul was a king, Shaul was a Tzadik, son Avner, these were Gedolah Yisrael of various sorts, so we fast on the days that they died, to commemorate their deaths, because they are worthy people whose deaths should be appropriately commemorated by fasting. Then he brings something very interesting. It seems like a little bit of a non sequitur. It's, it's a fascinating thing, but I don't understand the connection. He says, "It says in Berechias after the story of Yaakov's Yaakov's uh, wrestling with the angel. So it says that the angel dislocated the 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 kafayarech, the his thigh. It says, and therefore the Jews don't eat gid hanasheh. Torah doesn't say Jews. The Torah says al kein lo Yochlu B'nei Yisrael as Gid Anoshe. We usually translate B'nei Yisrael as Jews. That's why Jews, later, eventually, God told them at Sinai, don't eat the Gid Anoshe to commemorate this episode of Yaakov's wrestling with the angel. Rabbi Yud being from the... Rabbi Yud was also a, uh, a marvelous parshan. He, he was a fascinating biblical exegete. And he explains that B'nei Yisrael means literally B'nei Yisrael, the sons of Yaakov, that's why the sons of Yaakov determined on their own, apparently, that they would adopt the custom of not eating Gid Anusha. Why? Because they felt guilty. They said, it's our fault. Our father was hurt. It's our fault. We left him alone. We should have taken better care of him. We should have accompanied him. We abandoned him, and we let him, we let him, uh, we let him venture out on his own, and he got into trouble with this Malach. It's our fault. We bear responsibility, and therefore we are going to not eat the Gideon as a reminder, as a punishment for what we did. How this relates exactly to fasting on the day that your father died, I mean, Jewish guilt is Jewish guilt, but even Jewish guilt has its limits. Surely not every, it's not the default to blame yourself for your, for your parents' death. Yaakov's sons may have, may, have, may have blamed themselves for his injury, but to say that everyone is supposed to blame himself for bringing his parents to an early grave seems, uh, seems extreme. But in any event, this is Rabbi Yudah Hasid's first point, that the, we fast on the day of the death of an adam gadol to to commemorate the, to commemorate the death, and that's why a person fasts the day of his parent the day his parent dies because his parent is I guess is supposed to be in his eyes as uh, as a as an adam gadol, and that's why he fasts on the by default the, the, the stam assumption is a person should look to his parents as being uh, as being an Ashim gadol. Davar second reason, the second explanation for fasting because father and son are like guf echad, they're considered blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh, and you should see a parent as part of yourself, and it's as if you yourself suffered pain, you yourself suffered a loss, not just you lost a parent, you lost part of yourself on the day that your parent dies. And in support of this, he brings an incredible story, it, it sounds like it's straight out of the Arabian Nights, he brings a story about Rav Gun. Gon, Rav Sadia, he says, Rav Sadia, there was once a man who traveled to a faraway country with his son and his uh, and his servant, and well, actually traveled with his servant and a lot of money and a pregnant wife. The the the, eved, the, the then the man died. The eved took advantage of being the, the person on the scene that the son was young, and he said, uh, "I'm the son. I'm the son of this person, and I'm taking uh, and I'm taking all the money." the son, the son claimed that he was the true son and the evad was a usurper. So they went to the, they went to the, so he went to Avsadiyah, he said that he doesn't know what to do, that the evad was powerful, he had, uh, he had, he had made family alliances with rich and powerful people, he doesn't know how he can regain his proper place. So he said, talk to the king, Avsadiyah told him. So he talked to the king, and the king was the king apparently wasn't sure what to do how was he supposed to untangle the, the claims and counterclaims so the king referred him to rafsadia rafsadia did an experiment he said i want the two claimants to the to the to be the heir to each uh, contribute some blood put some blood in a bowl then they then he took a bone from the father's remains he dipped the, he dipped the bone into the two bowls of blood he saw that the, that the blood, one of the bloods, one of the bowls of blood, the blood was absorbed, was stuck to, and was, uh, had an affinity, apparently, for the bone. The other bowl of blood did not. Rav Sadia said, oh, this must be the blood of the true son, because, uh, because he, he's the one guf echad. You see that a father and a son are like one guf, and he awarded the money to that individual. Says Rabbi Yudah Hasid, so that's how we see that a father and son is like one guf, and it's appropriate for the son to be sad when the when when the father dies, and so on. And that's what he says. They, this story of Ravsadya is brought by contemporary postkin when they discuss DNA testing, the ability, the, the possibility of establishing kinship, uh, paternity, by matching factors in the blood. They they bring they bring the story as with about as a precedent, an early early example of this. But in any event, this idea that that, that the way you commemorate the death of an adam gadol the death of a parent, is by fasting. It is found in the Rishonim. It's alluded to in the Gemara. It's paskin by the Ramah. Therefore, says the Shemaryei, this is the ancient minhag. this is the, the tried and true tradition that we, that we commemorate Yartzites by fasting. So, how dare they, he says, how dare they abrogate this custom and, uh, and start serving Tikkun. He says that they're making on this fast. They don't fast, he says. That's bad enough. They, they don't even fast. They make fun of people who fast. They say that uh, they they make fun of the old Minog. They think it's a joke to fast on a yard site. Not only that, it's bad enough they do that, he says. Odra Mizos, they do even worse. He says, some of them, not only don't they fast, don't they mourn and have Avel, they turn Avel uh, Yamtov. They have Avel Asasun. They have Mishtev, Asimcha, they serve Tikkun, they have parties, and they rejoice. He says, uh, and, and, and the greater the tzaddik, the person's father, was, he says, the more important it is to, to demonstrate simcha and joy, to make a big party in honor of his neshama, in honor of the neshama of the tzaddik. And, they, and w- w- the old minag of fasting and mourning has turned into a minag of partying and, and rejoicing. These people say, chalila to fast on the day of the death of a tzaddik, to mitzvah to be the simcha. And as proof, as proof, they point to Lag Baomer, they say, look what we do on Lag Baomer, the death of the great holy tanner of Shem Ba we have a great celebration, we have a great party. People gather from all over the place to Meron, and they light candles, and they have Sosim, the Kfar Meron, and they say, we're doing like we do for Hashem ben Yochai. we learn from the of of Baomer, that we do it for tzaddikim. Why, traditionally, in Judaism, did people fast and mourn for parents? Those were people who weren't such great tzaddikim, people who weren't so worthy, their death indeed is a sad event, but for tzaddikim and Chasidim, famous tzaddikim and chasidim we rejoice and we all treat our fathers as uh, tzaddikim and chasidim and therefore we serve tikkun and we party, and like we do on Lag BaOmer. So the Shem Aryeh blames Lagba Omer for what he considers this terrible custom of serving tikkun on yard instead of fasting, which is the traditional Jewish way. Jewish way in death and mourning. The Jewish way in death and mourning says the Shem Aryeh is to mourn, to fast, and to be sad, not to party and serve Tikkun. So, he doesn't use the word Tikkun anywhere in this tshuva, but I am just using that word, because that is what we call it, uh, Buzman So, So, the, the Shemari is very upset. He says, on the one hand, he acknowledges that it is the Minhag, it is the Minhag in Lagba Omer to do these celebrations, he says, he can't deny it. It is a well-established Minhag. But it's so strange, he says, it's so puzzling. It's, it's clearly not what you're supposed to do, not like these people you're clearly not supposed to celebrate the death of a parent or the death of an adam gadol in general, he says. So, so what is this? He says. So, so, so how can so how do we understand Lag Bomer? Lag is a, a seemingly very powerful precedent for them, but they're clearly wrong. They're clearly wrong. It's not the way. It's not the way you commemorate the site. So then, what is what is going on? How do we reconcile this uh, this minug of Lag Bomer with uh, with what should be the correct minug of fasting on the on the day of the death of a parent? Or a tzaddik, he says. He repeats throughout the tshuva most of the tshuva. He, he repeats his perplexity. Well, at the end of the tshuva, in a couple of paragraphs, he proposes a resolution. But throughout the tshuva, he keeps reiterating his great perplexity, his uh, his great uh, his, his great confusion about how can there be such a minug. He says the minog of uh, celebrating on Lagba Omer goes all the way back to Darizel. He said Darizel did an upsharing, He claims Darizel took his took his son uh, on Lagba Omer to the, to the kever of Herb Ben Yochai to give him an upsharn. That's the Minagaret Yisrael, he explains to his readers who might not be familiar with the notion of upsharn, that when they give their sons the first haircut and they leave payas, he says, they make a great party and a simcha gedola. Also a, a somewhat a relatively recent and controversial custom that has become associated with Lagba Omer. Rizal did that, he says, so clearly it's a legitimate minhag, he says, but how do we square this? All my life, I have been uh, disturbed and baffled by this. He says, "Simcha why on earth are we celebrating on, on Lagba Ba'Omer?" He says, "Supposed to fast." He brings another example, another precedent for fasting. We discussed the Gemara. We discussed the Raman Yerideya, who says in Halachos Avelos that he's supposed to mitzvah to fast on a site. He brings the Bahag, same for Halachos Gedolos, work. The Bahag lists a, a a a number of days in which you are supposed to fast. One of those days, he lists a couple of dozen, a number of all of them. All of them are references to tragedies that occurred historically to Am Yisrael. A number of them refer to the deaths of of famous great tzaddikim, biblical tzaddikim, Talmudic tzaddikim. Echad b'Nisan, Nisan, 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 Ben Aaron, sons of Aaron died. Nadav aviu, the beginning of the, the, the in the Hanukkah Samishkan. 10th of, a, 10th of Nisan, Miriam died, and the bear, the bear Miriam was ceased. 26th of Nisan, Macy Yeshua Benun, Yud, Yud Iyar, Elia Cohen, his two sons died, and was, the Aaron was captured by the Plishtim. Chavches Iyar, Shmuel Anavi died, Safdu Kal Yisrael. 28th of Sivan, Rav Shunam Ben Gamliel, Rav Yishmael, 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 were killed by the Romans. Um, Chav Zayin, Berchnani ben Tradion was burned along with the Sefer Torah. Echod Ba'av, Aaron died. Yudzay and Elel, the, the Meraglim died. Okay, the Meraglim may not have been Tadikim, at least at that point. Gimel b'Tishrei, Gedalia ben Achikam, that's what we call some Gedaliah, and other Jews who were with him. And so on and so on. Rabbi Akiva died. Rabbi Akiva was captured and died and on, uh, on, on the 5th of Tishrei. Many Jews died. 5th of Shvat, the Zecanim in the time of Yoshua died. Zayin Adar. Zayin Adar is a famous one. Zayin Adar, Moshe Rabbeinu died. And this is one of the fasts that the tradition has indeed preserved. There, 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 many are to mention a minag of fasting. Today, again, this is another example. Today, there's actually a minug to have a suda on Zayin Adar. Some communities, they, they fast during the day, and then they have a suda. Some do both, fasting and uh, partying. But according to the classic halach in, in the Bahag, it's a day of fasting. Moshe is Yartzai. So all these days, so many fast days are Yartzai's. Moshe Rabbeinu. Aaron Akoin, Nadav Miriam, Yoshua Benun, Nun, the kingdom. Surely, surely, some of those were greater than Rabbi ben Yochai, Moshe So, if we fast for Moshe Rabenu's death, and we fast for Aaron Akoin's death, and we fast for a parent's death, and we fast for for uh, other Anashim uh, Gedolim. So, then, why on earth are we uh, celebrating Rabbi Shem ben Yochai's death? What on earth is that all about? So he goes on. He keeps turning this over and over in his in his head. He says, "Milan me me'Avas haOlam." Who's greater than these uh, than these great biblical figures? These uh, these epic biblical figures of Moshe and Aaron and Miriam. So uh, you know, so, 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 so what what uh, you know what is this? Yeah, how, how are we so? Uh, you know, why are we so? Uh, why, why, why do we why do we do this on Lag Omer? So he says that the okay, maybe you're going to tell me they didn't want to establish a fast day on Lag Omer for B'shem Rani Chai's Yartzeit. called self, call self. We have the other thing, we have the tradition that the Tamidu Rabi Kiva stopped dying on Lag Bomer and so they didn't want to actually institute a fast day, but to make it into a day of Simcha, a little bit of Simcha, the Ramah says, a little bit of Simcha we take haircuts and we don't take Tachan alright, he can live with that uh, because Sof Kol Sof, it was a great thing Tamidu Rabi Kiva stopped dying, but to make it into a day of party and revelry he says, Kol Avos Moshe Rabbeinu, Aaron, Miriam, we have fast days and Avel uh, and and what's so special, what's unique about Rav ben Yochai that we're going to celebrate on his day? Ain't loyadati Pesherdavar, pesher davor, ain't posterly, he says. Now, he can understand, he says, the idea that, that we gather in Meiron, he says, uh, al-kivro, we get together, that he understands. Not party, but getting together, he says. He brings a rashi, that when a chacham died, uh, in, in honor of the chacham, that every year they would get together on the yard site, and they would uh, come to his kever, the host of Yeshiva, they would talk about his Torah. They would have some kind of askara. They would have. Uh, they would have. We do that today also. We, on, on a say, we get together. Sometimes we have food. Some, sometimes we just we, we share Torah and we, we eulogize the deceased. All right, that he can understand. It says that they got together in Meron. That he can live with. Not not party, but just getting together. Fine, that makes sense. He says he heard that they that they study Zohar at Rabbi Shmuel He can understand that. He says. Lighting fires and bonfires, good, that's a form of covet also, it's a way of showing respect, the fires are a form of respect, but Simcha, he says, the Simcha Gedola, Lo Taima, once again, he says, it's uh, a little bit of Simcha, because they stopped dying, he can understand that, but partying in Simcha, doesn't work at all, he doesn't understand, he mentions in the Zohar, it calls it Hilula Drebushim Ben Yechai, there is a reference to Hilula, people translate Hilula as party, which is what the word sometimes means, it's not what it means here, he says. Hilula, he says the word should be understood as coming from the term Lahalel, to praise him maybe, he says, but a party? What sense does it make to have a party on the, on the, on the, on the anniversary of the death of a great sadik like Roshim ben Yochai? So turning it over and over, he says, he really has a very hard time understanding what on earth this party is all about. And again, he wants to somehow re- reconcile it without giving ammunition to the newfangled ideas that we, that we serve Tikkun and we celebrate on the death of a parent instead of the traditional view that we fast. He wants to somehow defend the idea of celebrating Lagba Omer and somehow square it with the fact that we fast on the anniversaries of the deaths of Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron and Miriam and so on, and also to, to square it with what he considers the authentic custom, the legitimate custom, of fasting on the anniversaries of deaths of parents, not, as people were doing in his time, as people do today, of celebrating of celebrating on those days. So before he gets so to his own end... Maybe it's a pun on tikkuni zohar. Tikkuni zohar, yes, okay. That's right. So Jason is pointing out that uh, even, even the zohar has a, has a portion called Tikune zohar, which has the word tikkun in it, and that's the word I keep using to describe the, the modern custom of, of serving treats, Sugary and alcoholic treats on uh, on the yard set. Yep, an, an, an interesting suggestion. In the course of his tshuva, before he gets to his own resolution, right before that, he also brings the Chasim Sofer. Chasim Sofer, we looked at in more detail last year. The Chasim Sofer was the most famous of the opponents of Lagbaomer. The Chasim Sofer's comments appear in the broader context of his, he's very jealous. For, on behalf of Yerushalayim, he, he feels Tzfas is getting way too much attention, he says. Everyone goes to Tzfas in Tsveria, nobody goes to Yerushalayim. In a uh, remarkable and provocative comment, he blames the earthquake, the, the great earthquake that, 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 that caused great destruction in Tzfas in 1837. He says it was the kin of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is jealous of people paying attention to Tzfas and neglecting Yerushalayim. And in the course of that discussion, he says, everyone makes pilgrimages, pilgrimages to Meron, and they don't go to Yerushalayim, he says. What kind of business is this, he says, and since when do we make a holiday out of the death of a tzaddik? He doesn't understand the whole issue to begin with, he says. The, the, that, that, he doesn't understand the whole celebration. It's, the whole thing doesn't make any sense, he says, of celebrating in Meron. So all that appears in, the, in the general, his general uh, dissatisfaction with elevating into such a, uh into such a lofty position. At the expense of Yerushalayim, so he mentions there too. He criticizes this whole idea of making a making a major celebration <coughs> in Meron. In uh, in Meron, on Lag Omer. my 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 brother, Reisman, I've heard him make a similar point. He, uh, he 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 grumbles about people who are who are obsessed with Uman. Even at the expense of, uh, of more traditional Jewish holy sites like Yerushalayim. If I recall correctly, he once told the story of someone who was flying from somewhere in the diaspora to Uman. He had a stopover in Yerushalayim, like he couldn't even make it to the Kosal. He, he flew out to Uman. He's like, Uman is the Ikar, Yerushalayim is the Tafel. You don't even go to the Kosal, the Makkah with the Mikdash, the Shechina with Lozazim Hisham, and uh, Uman is the only, uh, the only thing on your mind. So that's kind of what the Chassam Sofer said about Tzfas, that he doesn't understand you know, this whole idea of uh, venerating Tzfas at the expense of Yerushalayim. How can that be? And, but in the course of that tshuva, one of the things he says is that this whole idea, in the course of his uh, criticisms of the, the elevation of Tzfas, one of the things he says is that he doesn't understand this whole idea, Meiron is near Tzfas, he doesn't understand this whole idea of making a of holiday and rejoicing on Lag Baomer. It doesn't really make any sense. So the Shemarieh, Quotes the Chazam Sofer, and he's uh, he's pleased that the Chazam Sofer basically uh, is raising the same objection he has uh, that he doesn't that the whole this whole idea of of, of Omer is Omer Darsheni. How are we how are we supposed to understand why there is such a fuss, why there's such a party on Lagba Omer? So he writes uh, he writes that right uh, right before introducing his own shot, he says Hagon Hanal the Chazam Sofer This part I don't have in the handout, but he says Rav Guvre. Was, uh, was a great, great man besides his godless Torah he was a great tzaddik and chassid and therefore he said he had no choice he had to, uh, he had to speak truth he, had to, uh, he couldn't uh, he couldn't suppress the truth he, even though there were Gedolim who, who did do this lag-bomber thing he says he had to say what he felt was true that he couldn't find any, any justification for the Minag however, says the Shemarie Anokhi Yagati Umatsasi Tam Nachon Baruch Hashem, he says, he was able to, uh, to, he worked hard, he was able to figure out a reason, a good, solid reason for the Minhag of being Marba basimcha be on the cover of the Tzaddik Rabshim Ben Yochai on Lagbaum. And this is his reason. He says, in the famous story of Rabshim Ben Yochai's life, it says he got in trouble with the Roman government for speaking critically of the regime. That's something we, uh, we know about today in many parts of the world, if, uh, in totalitarian states. If you say the wrong thing, you can be disappeared and executed. So ancient Rome apparently wasn't, uh, wasn't all that big on the, the freedom of speech, the freedom to criticize the, the government. So he was, uh, he was a wanted man. He became a fugitive. And he didn't even say anything that was so terrible. All he said was that the people were discussing whether the Romans should be given credit for building roads and markets and bathhouses. And he said, no, they shouldn't because you know, they, they build them to collect taxes and for zonos and, for, uh, and, uh, and to indulge themselves. You know, all he did was accuse them of being selfish and self-interested and not altruistic, but that was enough, apparently, for the Romans to put a price on his head. And he had to flee. He lived in the cave for 12 years and until the, until, the, until the Caesar died, and then Batlach at that point, the, the, edict was, the edict of his death was repealed, and uh, that's a story at great length. In, uh, at great length, the Gemara discusses that in Shabbos, in a famous coincidence, that is on Daf Lamed Gimel in Shabbos. And the Gemara there says, that, that after he was able to leave the cave, and, and his life was no longer in danger, he said, Since a nace happened to me, Hashem saved me by nace. I owe a certain uh, debt to society. The way you acknowledge a nace is by helping to do things for society, public works, and so on. It calls it a nace, though. It calls his salvation a nace. Says the Shemariei, we see that Rebbe ben Yochai's salvation from the Roman government was a nace. Therefore, he says, as a zecher of the nace, of Rebbe ben Yochai's being spared a grisly and untimely death, we, we celebrate the day of his natural death. He died years later, of, uh, of natural causes, presumably. So we celebrate the day of his death to say, Baruch Hashem, he was not killed brutally, barbarically by the Romans. Instead, he survived. He survived long enough to die a normal, and natural death. And that's the celebration of Lag Baomer, he says. We celebrate Lag Baomer as a way of saying, as a way of acknowledging the nace of Hashem, that, that, that he saved Rabbi Shem Ben Yochai from the Roman barbarians and he was able to die a natural death. And that's why we celebrate that on the Yom HaMisa, because that's where we see the nace. The nace was that he died naturally instead of dying on, uh, I guess there's no other day to say, to say when, we, what, no other day to commemorate I guess we could commemorate the day of the death of the Caesar. Maybe that politically wouldn't have been a good idea, at least not back then. But uh, whatever it was, that was the day they picked as a natural day to celebrate the, the nace, the, the day that he died. We're not celebrating that he died, we're celebrating that he lived long enough to die, to die normally. And that's why it's a nace, he goes on, explains this at length, that's why he says anyone who sees Roshim Bani Yochai's Kever on that day should certainly have Simcha, that Hashem saved him. And that's, so that's the celebration of Lagba Baomer, and that is the Pshat that he is, that he's very pleased with, he says, that he says that zeo Asher nirali Ali, Em I think this is the truth, this is clearly the truth, he says, to reconcile the Minog, to, to resolve the Minog this ancient and holy minhag, milsa b'tayma, a plausible and convincing reason. He says, in honor of the cover of the Tana Hakadosh, and to, to answer the, the, the grave difficulty of the Chasim Sofer on the minhag of celebrating Lag Baomer. So now that we've safely safely explained Lag Baomer, we found a very narrow explanation of it that explains why it's different from the day of the death, the Yahrzeit of Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron and Miriam and Yoshua and the Zekanim. And we explained why it's different from the death of ordinary people, even great tzaddikim and parents and other anashim gedolim. He says, and now, now that I've uh, now that I figured this out, he says, kolish maskil Anyone who's uh, who, anyone who understands, anyone should should be able to see this. He says that anyone who tries to use Lagba BaOmer or ben Yochai's death as a precedent for celebrating on the day of his parents' death, he says, to make a mishta v'yom is Hole chashakim ve'inogelo, he's completely mixed up, he's uh, walking around in the dark, anyone who makes a suda on such a day is zivche mesim, strong words. Zivche mesim is what the Gemara calls uh, a meal consecrated for Avodah a meal that you don't talk to Vreitare in, Simcha always reminds him we have to talk to Reitar at every meal. He, he makes sure we don't have any Zivchae Mesim around here, but you know, serious business, he says. As someone who makes a, a celebration on the day of the death of a parent, that is Zivchae Mesim, he calls it. Adaraba, a person is obligated to have tsar and avelus on this bitter day. And on the contrary, the, the more your father was a Kadosh v'Chassid, these people think that the greater he was, the more he's like Roshim ben Yechai, and the less of a reason there is to, to, to mourn, and the more of a reason there is to. To celebrate, on the contrary, the greater a man he was, the more Tzar you should have. You, you, you have. you have to be, uh, because you lost a tzaddik, the world lost a tzaddik, Avad chasim in Simcha Mazuosa, Kina and so on, like as we saw back in the Bahag's list of fast days, the greatest tzaddikim in the, in, the, in the history of the world, Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron and Miriam, and certainly he says we cannot, absolutely not, we cannot invoke the day of the death of the, the holy Tana, the godly Tana of Hashem ben Yochai, that's a whole separate reason, he says. That's a chiddush who ain't On the contrary, we should learn from the fast days and all the other tzaddikim, the, the days of Moshe and Aaron and Miriam, and so on. We have to fast. And not chalila, he says, to turn the eva liyam and the tanis l'mishta Vasuda. Anyone, misha biyado, levat daver zeh, anyone who has the power to abolish this pernicious custom, he says, of celebrating the days of the sites, the, the he says, anyone who can be machzra davar Muso. Anyone who can be, who can be influential in this in this battle, he says, uh, in battle in the battle for the restoration of authentic, legitimate Jewish Minog, he says, absolutely must do so. min and that is the that is his position. So he managed so unlike the Chatham who Sofer, who does not have any defense of Lag who simply says it's a problem. He, on the one hand, accepts Lag as being a legitimate tradition, to the extent that he spends his whole tshuva trying to find ways to justify it, but at the end of the day, he manages to find a very, very narrow justification of it that's very specific to the particular historical details of Rav Ben Yochai's life and death, and therefore it has no precedent for, for, for other cases and however you're going to defend Lag Baomer there are other explanations people give obviously we don't treat it as a general precedent because the, the days of the you, can, you can't disagree with the Shulchan Aruch, you can't disagree with, uh, with the Bahag you can't disagree with the traditional sources that say, uh, that say that these are days of sadness and of fasting exactly how again the, the, the Hasidic custom of serving Tikkun has become increasingly popular my father also. We talk about. The, he talks about the 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 creeping Hasidicization of Orthodoxy, the the hegemony that many Hasidic customs have achieved over Jewry. Upsherin is a good example. Upsherin used to be a, a much more narrower minhag of certain subcultures. Today, it's become not universal, but it's become increasingly common. The German chachamim, the the the, the, the German kehilah still fights a. Uh, a vigorous battle uh, against its encroachment, and, uh, and others still resisted. But in many ways, Hasidic customs have become more and more common, and have uh, have taken root even among the, the non-Hasidish. But uh, this is again, this Jew is about 150 years ago. But the Sheimeri was <coughs> was still, again, he doesn't use the word Hasidim by name, but the Sheimeri was still was still fighting this battle, was still was still fighting vigorously against the, the newfangled idea that a Yartzeit should be celebrated by, by, by Mishta and Simcha. Instead, he felt that the old ways are the best ways, and that in general, Yahrzeit should be commemorated with mourning and fasting, and the, the traditional forms of Avelas. Nobody would dream of commemorating Tisha B'Av or Shavas or some Gedalia by, by having a party. Shabbat Tzvi did, but uh, ordinary Jews don't do that, and therefore, the, he fails, we should not do that. What about Lag Baomer? Lag Baomer, he finds this creative, very, very narrow, very narrow reason for justifying pardoning a Lag Baomer. There were those who opposed that as well. But this is the position of the Shemariye. Again, not going to claim this is the dominant view. The, by today, much of Jewry has accepted Lag Baomer. But, but this was the position of the Shaymarie. Writing about a century and a half ago, he was willing to accept Lag Baomer, which is more than the Chasim Sofer did, but only in this very, very narrow way. And he insisted that the that the general normative attitude of Judaism, the, the, the Jewish ad, the Jewish way in death and mourning, is still classic mourning, not a day of mishta v'simcha tov.